listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. It's an amazing thing that we are pretty complex. And uh, I didn't realize growing up in the church that I had the responsibility of curing my soul. Uh, It's an amazing thing. You can make a decision on one particular day and then discover you've drifted. Of course, overnight. And uh, we as human beings have this complexity and therefore this ability to be on a course. But before we know it, we've drifted and now we're going to another course. Why? Because our soul is leading us. And uh, the thing is, every one of us can live at one of three levels. We can live out of our spirit person, which is the moment you're born again, you don't get religious, but you get God on the inside. And I think a lot of people don't realize that God already lives with them. And the Bible talks about the DNA of God living on the inside of who we are. And we're far stronger than what we think we are if we were to live out of the spirit man. If we were to feed the spirit man, if we were to live out of the strength of the absoluteness of who God is. And if we don't live out of the spirit man, many of us are caught in living out of the soul, which is our feelings and our emotions. And uh, if it's not that, then it's out of our natural. It's kind of the things that are happening around us are determining how we see ourselves and how we feel. And I want to go back in the Message Bible in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And it's an amazing verse. It says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, Make you holy and whole. To to me, if you stop this for a moment, it's like God's a God of process. God is, he's he's in connection and he's committed to processing us to a place of living right order. It's kind of like he's going to put you together. How is he going to do it? Spirit, soul and body. And that's not just random. It's like if we were to learn to live out of our spirit person, then we would find that our soul would complement who we are, but not determine who we are. And then in our natural world, we would have a renewed authority because it doesn't matter what comes our way. We've got ourselves right side up and he's going to keep us fit. I like that. No longer do we have to go to the gym. Come on, he's going to keep you spirit fit, soul fit. And again, naturally fit up until the coming of the master, Jesus Christ. And by the way, the one who has called it and called you into being is dependable completely. If God said it, he'll do it. Come on, I'm here to rev you up tonight. If if it's in God's word, why are you sweating based on your emotional person or your current natural circumstances? And as I said, we're all prone to drift. I know this morning a few Australians have reminded me that the All Blacks lost to an incredible Irish team. Is that right? Which is a great thing because we all need to lose at times to reset and get ready for the World Cup. And of course, the Wallabies know all about that. It's getting ready for the next stage. But... I'm not here to talk too much sport, but last week, if you watched the All Blacks, they played England. Hadn't played them for four years, and it was kind of hyped up as this is the big clash. And seriously, England turned up to play. And they were ahead and really were, in the first half, at least deserving to be in the lead. 
But then the All Blacks came back and the All Blacks were ahead by one point, 16-15. And it was five minutes before full time. And one of the forwards in the English forward pack charged down a kick from our halfback. His name was Courtney Laws. And then one of the other English forwards ran on because the ball is still live, picked the ball up and scored a try. And I was up early in the morning at, I think it was four o'clock watching the game. And it caused me to lose hope because I thought we've lost. But out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that the referee was talking to the sideline referee. And then they made the sign. Which means, if you're not a sports person, we're going to refer it upstairs. Hope began to return. Because I thought it's not over. And anyway, a long story short, they discovered that Courtney Laws, when he charged down the ball, was literally just two centimetres offside. Depending on the camera angle, you could argue he wasn't. But he had, there's a term in rugby called drifting offside. I wonder tonight, because I want to share from heart, how many of us have allowed what we feel or what we see and touch to cause a drift to take place? And we have drifted offside. And so the enemy has got the right to cause us to lose our life fitness, because we're under his plan of attack. And so we've begun in this series, or we began by talking about the need to anchor your soul and make sure that you don't drift. And we've looked at this whole thought that one of the anchors we need is hope. Pastor Nadia last week was talking about making sure that we have hope depth. In other words, don't just have a short line, because when you go into deeper waters, your anchor needs to find something to secure on. And some of us have a hope when the feeling is good, when we can work it out naturally rather than realizing if you don't have hope that's bigger than your circumstance, your soul is going to start dominating and wasting your fitness. I've got a dentist. His name is Ross. He's an incredible guy. Uh, If you know something about my teeth, which is not a good story to tell, I've got very weak teeth. In fact, our son Luke's got the same kind of teeth. And I used to blame my parents because I came from them. My mum had false teeth when she was 19 years of age. They took all her teeth out because they were so brittle. Well, my teeth are pretty bad too. In fact, when I was at primary school, you used to go, uh, every six months you used to go to the dental nurse. It was free. The government paid for it. Uh, We used to call it the murder house. Come on, did you do that here in Australia? We're going to the murder house. Well, in one six-month period, I had 13 new fillings. So I blamed my weak teeth and then I blamed my parents. I only discovered it's not really my parents' fault. It's most probably their parents' fault because it's DNA. In fact, let's just blame Adam and Eve. Let's go right back to the beginning. It's their fault that I had weak teeth. It could be somewhat to do with the jelly crystals that I used to eat on the way to school. Anyway, I had a lot of fillings. So later in life, I'm not getting many fillings now, but they have to keep repairing the fillings. So I go to the murder house. But when I go to the murder house, this is what happens. My dentist is hilarious. You can hear him laughing as he's drilling people's teeth. 
It's kind of like he's just got this infectious laugh and he's always telling stories and he's always having a go. And I'm sitting there waiting in the murder house where I used to be so fearful, now getting excited. I'm about to meet my dentist again. Because his response is one of hope. You can't have hope from someone else. You've got to develop an anchor of hope. All right, but we're not preaching last week's message. I want to go on and talk about a second anchor that you need, which is the anchor of predetermined decisions. How predetermined? If you're going to live a secured soul, then you've got to develop the ability to predetermine some of the decisions that you have. Because as you lock down the big rocks, you're going to find yourself not living out of your soul so much and not living according to what's around you. You've already decided that this is what we're going to do. And so I've become a person now that lives predetermined decisions. Some years ago, we went to Paris. And in Paris, you can get lost in all the streets as you walk around. But one thing to do is when you get there is to see the Eiffel Tower and work out where you are in proximity to the Eiffel Tower. So when you look up above the buildings, if you get lost, you just get out to an open space. Oh, there's the Eiffel Tower. And so because of its predetermined location, you can find your way back to where you came from. All right, I want you to look at me because this is more than just another message. How predetermined are you about your life? See, you can't live a free life and have fitness in the soul if you don't predetermine some of the things about your life. And soul security is about developing a deep hope, but also adding this wonder of predetermination. So I want to give you three thoughts about what you need to predetermine. Here's the first one tonight is predetermined decisions require that we secure what God has said. Thanks for your response. Okay, if you're a Christian tonight, what have you predetermined about what God has said? Or do you need to be reminded all the time so that you can lift your soul to a place of hope? See, I've discovered if I predetermine and secure what God has said, it's amazing how things shift. And again, to predetermine what God has said and secure that, you've got to get a rema word from God. There's two types of word. When you read the Bible, it's called the written word of God, the logos. When you hear God as you read the word, it becomes the rema word of God, which quickens the inside of who you are. A lot of Christians, they hear preaching, but they never hear from God. They hear from people. So you can high five me and say, great message. But if you don't go to God and get what I'm sharing from God, it's not going to be your rema. And your soul is going to continue to direct you. So you've got to be careful that you hear it from God, not hear about it just from someone else. So when I'm hearing someone preach or I'm listening to a podcast or I'm doing something, reading a book, go, wow, that's amazing. I then take what I've heard and I go, God, I need to hear this from you. Because when I hear it from you, I secure what you have said and that predetermines my response. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Jesus is about to go into three years of ministry 
and the Holy Spirit leads him, this is amazing, Matthew chapter 4, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Because Jesus in his humanity, like you and I, had to secure what he believed. And so he's been fasting, you read it through, for 40 days and 40 nights. How many know you're hungry? And the devil says, you're Jesus. You see these stones, you can command them to be made into bread. What does Jesus respond? Verse four, he answered the devil and said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What do you do when you're hungry? Come on, what do you do when you are in this place where the natural and the soul is crying out? No, it is written. He was echoing what we read in Deuteronomy chapter eight, where God speaks to Israel and says, you realise every commandment that I command you with, you've got to be careful to obey so you can possess the land. And by the way, now that you're being blessed in the land that I promised you, don't get secure in the stuff you've got. Make sure that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So even though that was a word to the Israelites, Jesus made it His word. Okay, if I were to squeeze you, what words would come out? Come on, what what are the things that you've secured in your life to say, no, God said it, I believe it, and I'm standing on that rock. So what are you a carrier of? Come on, here at life. If we're gonna break through and secure our soul, you've gotta have an anchor of hope, but you've gotta have an anchor of predetermined decisions. A predetermined decision secures what God has said. I love it. So Jesus says to the boys, the disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who do you say I am? Well, I think you're a good God. I think you're going to come through for us. I think you're going to work everything together for good, but I'm not 100% sure. I, I think this wilderness, you're still in control. Peter, who do you say? He says, you are the Christ. Oh, I'm getting excited. Come on, we we should be electric tonight. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You created the universe. You still create all the time. And we get to do time with you. And even when it's not working, we can trust that you're in charge. And even though there's an enemy that's disappointing and ripping us off, even though there's an enemy that's starting to pull us down, no, you are the Christ. What did Jesus say? Peter, you didn't get that. From anyone else but my Father who is in heaven. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Come on, I'm stirring you up. What have you secured? Oh, I believe the Bible. No, you don't. You kind of believe. So it's kind of like you've got to secure what you believe. Uh, you know, I say to young preachers, don't be a signposter. They say, what do you mean? Well, you can take the Bible and you can preach anything in the Bible. It's truth. But all you are is a signpost. 
Okay, when I'm preaching to you, I'm not preaching as a signpost. I'm preaching as a tour guide. What's a tour guide? Somebody who's been there, experienced it. And people say, oh, it so relates because I've been through it. So I'm going to preach as a signpost. I'm going to bring the revelation that I learned. But that doesn't become your revelation until you secure it. You hear me? I'd rather you secure a little bit rather than have another podcast. And get excited about another. Oh, that's a great word. Fantastic. Preach it, brother. No, live it. Have something inside of you that really moves you. And then he says, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. What's the rock? The rock of personal security of God's word, this revelation. And I want to encourage you. See, if I'm flying with a pilot and it hits some mist, it can't see through the clouds, a pilot is trained to be obedient to the instrumentation. Most Christians would have a completely different life if we decided no matter whether we see it or we don't, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my... Yeah, but I'm not seeing it. Well, I don't give a rip. There were 400 years where nobody saw God do anything. It's called the dark ages, but God was still God. I can show you every human being that lived, there were seasons in their life where there seemed to be no God moving. But they secured the fact that God is there. That's why, again, David writes in Psalm 42, 5, Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising him again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. When my soul is in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know from you. And this week, some of us got to rehearse the stuff that we've secured in God, that God's not going to let us down. I'll rehearse everything I know from you, from Jordan Depths to Herman Heights, including Mount Mizar. Is that up there? I thought, why, what's Mount Mizar? did a little bit of research. It's next to Mount Hermon, but it's a very small mountain. And its name means distress and siege. When you're distressed and your soul is saying give up, when you're under siege and you feel smaller than everybody around you, Come on, I'm going to rehearse everything that I know. I'm just going to echo the word of God in my life. Why? Because unanchored feelings dominate when we focus on human reality over divine truth. Man, this is a good night to be out in church. It's kind of like, so I've got to anchor. I've got to have an anchor of hope, but I also need an anchor of predetermined decisions. So I've got three anchors. If you're into boating, This is one of the anchors. It's a pretty big anchor. It's called a grapnel anchor. This anchor has been designed so that when you drop it down, if it's big enough and strong enough, even if you go into mud, it will plow into the mud and cause, again, resistance to stop you from drifting. The problem is, is if there is a big storm, it's going to pull through the mud eventually. No matter how big it is, if the storm is big enough, you're going to drift. So what happens is you're going to find rock. And when a plow anchor goes into the rock, it's secure. So much so that often you can't get it out. Here's my thought. Tonight, how much of your life is based on security of what God has said? Because you see, you can be in mud and that's okay until you're under pressure. 
But when you're secured it and it's rock, it's absolute. I know God said it and I believe it and I've secured it. Then when the wind blows, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. So here's a plow anchor. Here's the second type of anchor. Some bodies have what they call a grapnel anchor. A grapnel anchor is for those doesn't really hold in the mud. But I know I'm fishing over rocks, so I want an anchor, and I'm going to drop that anchor into the rock. But when it's time to pull up the anchor, even if it's stuck, I can bend one of these arms so that my anchor comes free and I can move on. A lot of Christians have truth that bend. The problem is when you pull it up because you can't see it, you end up with a straightened anchor that doesn't work next time you have to drop the anchor. It gets weakened, so we put it down and then it bends up. And this is the kind of Christianity, as long as I can see it, I'm there. But if I can't see it, I'm up anchoring. Plow anchor, grapnel anchor. Here's the third kind of anchor. It's called a drift anchor. A drift anchor works with a big side and a small side. So you drop it behind and the water goes through. And because there's pressure, the water can't get out. It slows down the drift of your boat. You use that when you're using lures and you want to cover territory. A lot of Christians don't have a plow anchor. Don't even have a grapnel anchor. They go with where the tide's going. All our friends are going, so we're going. The world is changing. Come on, we've just got to go with what's happening. No, no, no. We're called to have a plow anchor. Secured on God's word. And I'm just asking you, what have you secured? What, what have you had as an absolute? Man, I'm going to preach all night tonight because you're not responding. and I'm going to get you to a place where you are. So I'm with our students and... I meet with them a couple of times a year, a few times a year, and I say, I'm not coming to preach. I'm just, you can ask me any question. Because by asking questions, I can try and attempt through my experience to answer. If I can't, I'll tell you. One of the students put their hand up and say, Pastor Paul, um, do you ever feel like not going to church? So I look at them trying to be very mature. On the inside, I'm going, if the weather's good and I've been busy, come on, I want to go out and fish. It's time for church. Do you ever feel like not going to church? I said, listen, this is how I want to answer it. If you remove the question, you don't have to come up with the answer. Come on, this is... Some of you, some of you have not settled the question. So I go to God's Word and what does God's Word say about it? It says that the... Righteous will flourish like a palm tree, grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. So I've settled that as for me and my house, we're in the church. And we're going to be committed to that. Some of us are still living according to what we've been through in the past. Settle it. Yeah, but I've stuffed up so many times. Hey, don't let dead dogs bark. Just settle it. Say, I stuffed up. I came to Jesus, stuff off, devil. I left it at Calvary. What have you said? Oh, 
Come on, you want to secure your soul? Tell your soul what it needs to respond to? Secure the fact of what God has said. And if you can't do it, get into a group where people are going to encourage you and say, well, what do you think it means? Hey, are you giving to God of your first? Well, you don't understand. I've got no money at the moment. You haven't secured it. Do you want God's blessing in the bigger picture? You want God's involvement in that? It's kind of like not paying the bills for the church. No, it's about honoring God and His sovereignty. Settle the question. Settle the question that you cannot work out what happens through death. But one day when you get to eternity, you will know that because that's what the Bible teaches. Only then can you see clearly how the enemy was at play. And so rather than being dirty on God, settle it that God is good all the time. And he's going to work the things that the enemy meant to destroy us, to empower us, and to so secure what God has said. Don't be a drift anchor. People say, you're still sparky. Yeah, because I've secured it. I'm just not asking the questions anymore. I've just put them to bed. I've just, I don't have to. Some of you got to stop getting so heady. Yeah, I'm all for looking into it, but then secure what God has said. Second thing, predetermined decisions require that we surround ourselves with our tribe. All right, well, I don't have to keep talking about that. I talked about that this morning. Every one of us need people that keep us from isolating. So I've come to a point where, whether you like it or not, I'm in your tribe. I've got a tribe. You imagine the Melbourne storm trying to create a victorious kind of team where they all want to wear different colour jerseys. Oh, I don't like training that way. Well, too bad. Yeah, but I'm a prima donna. Well, you're not. There's no place in this team for you. Come on, either we, we, we settle the fact that we are positioned in a tribe. Yeah, I hear people saying, oh, we've got home church. There's no such thing as home church. There's home group, but not home church. The Bible says you need to get planted in the house of God. You need to be in a tribe. There were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. Every one of them had a color, a flag. They had a function to do. And so what we've got to do is go, well, where is our tribe? And if this tribe doesn't work for you, let's help you find the tribe. But get into a tribe. Secure your tribe. Surround yourself with your tribe and make sure you live it. That's what I love about the Salvation Army. You know who they are. They're all wearing there's stuff. In fact, I reckon we're going to implement it here. Purple and polka dot spots, you know, uniform. You're going to go to work and, wow, where'd you get that? That looks awful. It's part of our tribe. Hey, hey, are you surrounded with a tribe? Have you bought in? Or are you just an isolated, loose cannon? And your soul can direct your future. Or you're saying, no, I'm here because that's the color. That's my identity. And that's who I am. I'm planted. And as we heard this morning, we've realized that unanchored feelings begin to dominate us when we drift from faith-rich environments. And we just got to have that. Well, I used to come to church, but I haven't been there lately. You got to realize uh, we're a part of Life Melbourne and we've just had another baby. Now we've got two kids and it's just hard to get to church. Okay. We had three kids under five and we started a church. Yeah, but 
it's not working out the way we thought. It's pretty hard. Oh, you're still not at church. No, 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 the kids are now at sport. We've got to travel all over the city to get them to sport. And when it comes to church, it's pretty hard to get there. Oh, we just got this high intense job. We just bought a business and it's taken all our time. And mate, we just went through this challenge. We didn't expect it. It just happened. Oh, oh man, somebody really hurt us. I'm living with an offense. Oh, you don't understand. I'm, I'm just tired. Oh, I've just retired. And life is gone. And we never lived our colors. Come on. There's no perfect place, but find your tribe. Get planted in your tribe. Be a part of what God called you to be. Come on, where there's support, accountability, growth, pruning. Root touch. Where you can grow into the things of God. Come and help me. I need a musician because you're not responding. See, a predetermined decision requires that we secure once and for all what God has said. Start small and just get them secured. Secondly, make sure that we surround ourselves with our tribe. And then thirdly, we settle our kingdom purpose. What's your kingdom purpose? Well, I don't know what I should be doing. Well, where are you heading? What gifts have you got? What, what role have you got? Is it in the church? We all come to church. That's our family, but... Come on, it could be in the community, could be in business, could be in kingdom. What are, what are you there to do? Why are you here anyway? Come on, here in life, we're here to try and touch a city with God's love. And I'm 13 years of age, riding my push bike to high school, first year. All my friends are going, I'm going to be a mechanic. My other friends say, I'm going to be a builder. I'm sitting there thinking, I love to be a builder because I'm practical. And for the first time, I was like, God says, no, you're going to help build the church. So I was quiet on that trip because I wanted to be like them, but I knew I, they wouldn't even understand I was here to build the church. 13, I'm 59. I know you can't believe it. 59, I'm still building the church. Well, I don't know what my call is. Get into next steps, you dummy. Find out what your gifts are and you'll come alive because you've secured your kingdom purpose. Don't live by opportunity. Oh, God must be in it. Look at that opportunity. Live by purpose. Opportunity can be one of the greatest distractors of God's plan for your life. Oh, yeah, but if I moved, got that job, went to that other city. Well, if God's not on it, it's the worst thing. Predetermine. See, I, did, I predetermined I'm going to be in church. I predetermined I'm going to be in conference. I predetermined we're going to do this next year, that next year. Because it's a part of the purpose that we're under. Predetermination is, I'll see if I can come. No, that's not predetermination. If it all works out, I'll be there. No. Hey, I'm here today because 27 years ago, I settled that this is my tribe and this is what God's asking me to be a part of. Marie and I are married for 37 years because she got lucky. No, we're married because marriage requires two people to predetermine. Marriage is not strong because you marry the right person. It's because you predetermine to become the right person. Now, you need two people to do that. 
But most of our lives, it's only us predetermined. I'm not going to live in my soul. I'm going to live beyond my soul. I'm not going to live out of preference. I'm going to live out of predetermined nation. I'll finish with this. Isaiah 55, verse 5. The, the Lord God has opened my ear. Again, begins with the securing of God's Word. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. That's all predetermination. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. You're living with a drift anchor? Living with a grapnel anchor so you can uproot any time? Or are you putting a plow anchor down? We're going to stay true to God's Word. We're going to make sure that we're surrounded with our tribe. And we're going to once and for all settle our kingdom purpose. If you don't know what your kingdom purpose, you've got to get that settled quickly. And so when you know that, that becomes the answer to the decisions you've got to make. That's not my call. That's not my purpose. Every man in this dog knocks on my door wanting us to do this, that, and the other thing. Whenever you have something significant, everybody wants you. And you know what? We know our purpose. So most of the time is we don't do that. It's not wrong. We just don't do that. This is the final thought because it's so good. When each one of us have reached an unqualified yes, in other words, God, if you wanted this, I'm in. It is then we get to attach a maturing no. Let's put that on the screen. In other words, when you get to a point where you go, God's Word is my decision. This is my tribe and here's my purpose. So God, if you want me to do it, yes. That's all you need to know. But what if it doesn't fit? Doesn't matter. Just yes. Unqualified. Yes. I'm going to make this year count for God. Can you imagine if every one of us just said, okay, God, if you're asking me to do it, yes. Hey, one of the biggest cop-outs in church is I'll pray about it. You don't need to pray about it if it's in God's Word. Come on, and you're not doing anything. Just say yes, unqualified. When you have reached an unqualified yes, it's then you can have a maturing no. No, that's not for me. So I have to say no more now than I say yes. Because I'm clear about what God's called us to do. And so it's just, no, we can't do that. Go and do it, but we can't do that. That's not us. What's your anchor looking like? Come on, let's secure our soul. Predetermined decisions. The more predetermined decisions you make, the more at peace your life is going to be. Your soul won't be able to dominate you. Circumstances won't be able to dominate you. It's kind of like I've buried many people I wished didn't die. Little babies. All sorts of things gone through the worst of tragedies, but I secured that God is good, that the devil is alive and attacks. We're in warfare. But ultimately, God brings the victory as long as we put him center. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.